What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. Amron just hopped out the shower, had to get so fresh and so clean, clean just for you guys. And last weekend, I released my official post-draft dynasty rankings update, which also means that I updated my buy-sell designations across every player that I have ranked. And when I do this, I always have my positional rankings where I compare them versus the market, and then I pretty much go over each and every player and put designations on them of hard sell, soft sell, neutral, soft buy, and hard buy. So this is shown in my positional rankings, which I'm really proud of. I'm going to show them here for a second, but I absolutely love how these sort of come out. I have my full top 250 rankings and then my positional rankings. I have uh, each player. And as you guys can see here, these are quarterbacks 11 through 19. And on here, you can see their trade value tier. So just, you know, where the kind of tier breaks are, what their ranking is, how much they've changed since last time that I did one of these. So Jalen Hurts shot up four spots with the AJ Brown trade. You have their prospect tier from the RS grade model and uh, what that sort of means for how good they were coming out of school, their archetypes, so how much they run the football between Konami code, statue, mobile, and then my buy sell designation. So I think it's a really cool way for you guys to kind of look at your team go over your players and kind of see, oh, like Ron thinks that this guy is a soft sell, a, a hard buy, whatever. And you can kind of gauge players that you should be moving or going out there to acquire. I think it's a very, I think it's one of the more actionable ways to give you guys rankings. And today we're hopping on here to give you kind of a, uh, not like a sneak peek, but we're going to go over three of my favorite hard buys and two of my favorite hard sells. So if you want access to these positional rankings, my top 250 rookie rankings, RS grade library, I'm literally an open book on there. It's on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. All of my work, redraft rankings, waiver wire stuff, uh, rookie rankings, dynasty rankings, all that good stuff. Patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. It'll be down below in the description. It'll be down below in the comments. With that being said, if you enjoy this video, make sure you go down below, leave a like, subscribe. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose. I mean, I know I'm Look, we're doing this one take, Drake. I might have left up that graphic during the intro, but it's all good. We're going to talk about our first must-buy for a contender, and we're going to be using Adiko's ADP, which maybe I'll put down below in the comments, but I've been plugging this guy every single video. At this point, I hope you guys know who Adiko is. He is a master of the Google Sheets, and he has real-time like dynasty ADP from real sleeper drafts with real money on the line. And Mike Evans is going to be our first buy we're going to talk about. And in Adiko's ADP, he goes at the 6'11 as the wide receiver 26. In my personal rankings, I have him as my 5'11 as the wide receiver 23. And this is a buy I love for contenders. And I'll also say that 6'11 from 5'11 and wide receiver 26 to wide receiver 23 doesn't sound like a huge difference. Well, it's a huge difference from round to round, right? 6'11 to 5'11. But wide receiver 26 to wide receiver 23 isn't a ton. And I think that's just because how I play dynasty and just fantasy in general. You guys know that I value wide receivers more than the market, especially a guy who can give you difference making production like a Mike Evans and he is a guy who's extremely attainable right now and I think at this point uh, Mike Evans is a known commodity I don't really have to tell you guys that he's like a good player we all know that he is a good wide receiver he averaged 16.4 points per game last season was the wide receiver 10 over the last four years he's finished as the wide receiver 10 16 5 10 he is always in the mix as a firm wide receiver one and this year I like him more than previous years, especially just for like 2022 purposes. Now, this is a contending buy, so we're not really going to talk about anything past 2022. And we get Tom Brady back. We have Chris Godwin, who tore his ACL really late in the season, like the last week of the regular season. So he could miss first, you know, two, three, four weeks, and then still 
take some time to get up to speed, right? We saw Saquon last year. We saw Sutton last year. Guys fresh off of ACL tears, unless if you're Adrian Peterson, or I mean, I guess Cooper Cup did it, but there are instances where that first season back, you aren't the same guy. So this gives Mike Evans a really wide open receiver room where he's not competing with Chris Godwin anymore, which was really a, a struggle of his where he was competing with Godwin. And we saw a guy who was this big, like, alpha dominant wide receiver who was getting like 25% target shares early on in his career become more of an, a, a boom bust efficiency guy where he had a 16.4% target share last year and he had an 18% target share the year before that so instead of being this like very dominant wide receiver you're seeing him in that Amari Cooper area of efficient top 24 or like fringe top 12 guy but doesn't have that target share upside we need for like a, a top five top three type finish but I think this year when we have Godwin Hurt, we have Gronk who hasn't really decided what he's doing in terms of football. And we have Russell Gage, or no, they bring in Russell Gage. I mean, I meant to say that they have Antonio Brown gone as well. So Antonio Brown, who was like legitimately like a top 10 wide receiver last year, Godwin Hurt, Antonio Brown gone. We don't know what's going on with Gronkowski. And they brought in Russell Gage. That's what I meant to say earlier, but I don't really think that he's a real factor. Um, he now has a, a clear runway for like a 20% plus target share season where he's dominant as Tom Brady's true number one. And the market agrees. Now, I love using underdog ADP to kind of just understand. I think it's really, especially as a contender, man, you don't want to go out there and buy a wide receiver who's not a difference maker, right? You want to know, like, what does the market think in 2022? How are these wide receivers going to play out? And Mike Evans is a wide receiver one as of right now he is the wide receiver nine on underdog now underdog is the best market out there these are this is adp from best ball mania three where the winner is going to get like two million dollars up top it's ten million dollars total in, uh, in prizes it's an absolutely insane contest i will be maxing it out this year doing a full 150 entries in that contest make sure you hop on there early get some drafts and i'm telling you right now when adp isn't stable and there's a lot of you know weird values you can get a hold of it's one of the best times to start drafting. Last year, the guy who won it drafted in June. So if you want to hop on there, use my promo code ROM when you deposit 10 or more dollars and they will match your deposit up to $100. So you deposit 25, they'll match 25 and boom, you have two Best Ball Mania tickets to win the big one. Now, when we look at this list, these are the top 10 wide receivers in redraft ADP right now. And I know it's chicken scratch, but... The red numbers next to them is their dynasty ADP. So Cooper Cup is the wide receiver one in redraft, wide receiver four in dynasty. Jamar Chase, wide receiver two in redraft, wide receiver one in dynasty. Also, weird nugget, by the way, I really don't know the last time that we've had like the top guy in dynasty, like a Chase and Jefferson, also be the top guys in redrafts. Like last year, we had Justin Jefferson as the top guy in dynasty, but he was, you know, like wide receiver 11-ish uh, towards that like DK Metcalf, AJ Brown range. Like now we are fully seeing the top two guys in dynasty also being the top two guys in redraft, which means they're not rebuilding assets. They're actually kind of contending assets because they're going to give you real meaningful production this year. Now, back to Mike Evans. All of these guys are top 12 dynasty wide receivers. Then you look at Mike Evans and he is wide receiver 26. So if you want like the cheapest way to get a top 10 redraft wide receiver or a top 10 wide receiver in 2022, Mike Evans is the cheapest way to do that. I know Tyree Kill, who's the wide receiver 12 in dynasty is seen as like, I know not anymore because he went to Miami, but he's seen as like a difference making wide receiver. He is picked at the 19.6 spot and Mike Evans is picked 21.1. That's only a 1.5 pick difference from Tyree Kill to Mike Evans. And it's like half the price. So I think 
he is such a great buy just because he is the cheapest way to get a wide receiver one onto your team for really not a crazy price. And we're going to be looking at with these trade targets, a Deco's trade search tool, which is a, a really, really cool uh, resource that he has where you can like literally go into this Google sheet, you make a copy and you can just plug in on one side. What does Mike Evans go for? And if you want, you can plug on the other side, you know, whatever uh, asset you want to be looking to move away and see kind of what trades have happened and have transpired. And when you look at these Mike Evans trades, again, these are real trades and real leagues with real money on the line. You can get Mike Evans for the first one is like the 110 and some change. The second one is a 2023 20, second and a 206. So two seconds for Mike Evans. I would do that all day. The 109 for Mike Evans is probably like the most I would pay. I think 109 ish is about right, right? That Kenny Pickett area, which is below that uh, 306 and 110. So again, like 110 and some change. And I also love this last uh, trade where it's David Montgomery for Mike Evans. If you have a middling RB2, who isn't going to be a difference maker on your lineup, like a David Montgomery, like a Josh Jacobs, even if dude, if you could do like, uh, like an AJ Dillon, like AJ Dillon and a second for Mike Evans, or even like AJ Dillon and a third for Mike Evans, I would really be into that. Uh, I think same thing with like an Elijah Mitchell, these RB twos that I just don't, I'm just not super interested in, uh, when I'm talking, when I want to get RB twos, I want guys that have upside and aren't expensive. I, I want the guys in the, like, Rashad Penny, Chase Edmonds, Ramondre Stevenson area, even the, you know, I'm trying to think of that that other area, but the other area that I like attacking as well, oh yeah, Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Devin Singletary, I'd much rather pivot to those guys, so instead of having like a David Montgomery or a Josh Jacobs, I would rather sell one for Mike Evans and then try and acquire a, uh, you know, Chase Edmonds, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, whatever is your um, cup of tea, if you will, and the other guy that I'd be looking to acquire, perfect segue by me, is Kareem Hunt. He is perfectly in that area with uh, ADP of 1009 as the RB32. I have him as my 905 as the RB27. So five more running back spots and around in some change higher than consensus. And Kareem Hunt's another buy I love for, for contenders. So if you're out there, you're trying to contend. I also think that right now, during the rookie drafts, right, we have rookie drafts going on all this month. It's the best time of the year to make contending moves because veterans that are veterans that are are at an all-time low in price and rookie picks are at an all-time high when you're on the clock. So if you can, you know, get on the clock and trade for contending pieces, I think that win now moves are best made in May. And with Kareem Hunt, he had he is that perfect fit for a lot of my teams where you guys know I like to run zero RB hero RB builds where I have like a McCaffrey up top and I just want to have a bunch of upside swings at RB2. And Kareem Hunt is a, a, a really good upside swing because for a guy that is going in the RB30-ish range, we know that he is a really good player. On the Chiefs, he was a top five running back as a rookie. I know he was, he was running back eight uh, in his second year, but 20.9 points per game would have been like RB3 behind only Eckler and Jonathan Taylor last year. That's what he did in his second year in the league. He is really good. We He is one of the only guys in this RB30 range that we know is even capable of a 20 point per game type season. And yes, he's three to four years removed from that. But the reason why I'm highlighting him is because he's genuinely still does got it. Like he's still, he's still very good at football among 60 plus running backs with 70 or more carries per PFF. He was sixth in yards after contact per attempt. He was 10th in breakaway run percentage and sixth in elusive rating last year. Now I know that that was on a limited sample because he got hurt, but still he was efficient. He looked good. He was genuinely a very good running back to almost elite level running back in his opportunities last year. And he's not only good, he's not only scoring fantasy points, but he 
has an all-purpose skill set. He catches passes. And even though that he was in a part-time role last year, under 50% of the snaps, he still commanded an 11.8% target share, which was 13th among running backs last year. So we know that he is talented. We know that he catches passes. He was also 7th in yards per route run on PFF, ahead of Austin Eckler, behind Alvin Kamara. He is still an elite receiving threat, an elite running threat. He still commands targets. I cannot trust enough. The boy, he's turning 27 this year, but he's still got it. And I just think it's crazy. When you look at his range of running backs, I have him ahead of most people in this screenshot. When you look at the, the range of running backs here, looking at Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, Pollard, Rashad White, Damian Pierce, Michael Carter, Isaiah Spiller, Ramondre Stevenson, Chase Edmonds. In terms of pure talent, he blows all of those guys out of the water. None of those guys are even in the same area as Kareem Hunt. Maybe Tony Pollard. I love Tony Pollard in his small sample, but still, it just doesn't even compare to what Kareem Hunt has done uh, in Kansas City and then what he's done on his limited snaps in Cleveland. And the reason why I love Kareem Hunt is that he's good. And he also has a pathway to massive upside because he's been stuck behind Nick Chubb the past two years. And we are now going into the last year of his deal. They draft Jerome Ford. Dearness Johnson was great last year. And those running backs uh, stats that I talked about earlier with yard up to contact per attempt, breakaway run percentage, all that stuff. Even though Kareem Hunt was top 10 in those, so was Dearness Johnson. Like they have three genuinely very good running backs. And when you, when you get in a guy like Jerome Ford and you now have like four or five running backs on the roster, it starts to make some sense for them to move on from Kareem Hunt. And there's been some buzz around that in the Cleveland community, in the fantasy community. And Kareem's, Kareem Hunt's contract at this point is $6.25 million for 2022. Then he's a free agent next year. And there's no dead cap if they trade or release him whenever. There's no date they need to like have him do that by. I checked out Track. The minute they cut him or trade him, that salary is off the books. They have no dead cap from that move. So it seems like a strong possibility at this point that they do move on. And in the event that he moves on, right, he goes somewhere else. Like, let's say that's like the Falcons or I'm trying to think some of some other like good running back spots. Like, let's say like out of nowhere, he goes to the Bills. Like he skyrockets in dynasty value where he probably skyrockets or maybe not skyrockets, but he goes from like RB32 to probably like RB20-ish in that Aaron Jones, Leonard Fournette. Maybe maybe he even gets a little bit higher than that into like the Derrick Henry area, but I'm not sure. Uh, the market would do that, but I, I am pretty confident that he would be in that Fournette, Aaron Jones, like RB18 to RB21-ish type range, and the beauty of it isn't even that he is, go, that he would skyrocket in Dynasty ADP, but he would give you like legitimate top five running back upside for like the next like two seasons, and the beauty of the entire thing is that you are getting a guy at RB32 that say, even if he doesn't go to a new team and he stays on the Cleveland Browns, it would suck, but again, you're getting him at RB32 and in his last two years of full-time playing for the Browns, he was RB25 and RB19. Last year, he had 13.8 points per game, which was the most he's ever had in Cleveland, which probably would have been around like a top 20 number. Again, RB32 price for a guy who at worst will just be a low-end RB2 with massive upside if Nick Chubb gets hurt, who has been getting banged up almost the last two years. And then on top of that, a horrific injury in college. He has never bad. He has never been a guy who has stayed completely healthy, especially the last couple of years. So there's paths for Kareem Hunt to have upside on the Browns. There's paths for him to have upside elsewhere. And in the event that he doesn't, he is still probably giving you good production in that RB2 spot. And when we're talking about acquiring Kareem Hunt, his price is dirt cheap, but I would really be trying to do it uh, as soon as possible acquiring Kareem Hunt because it does seem like the, the sort of the what am I trying to think? Like, I guess like the drum beat 
on, you know, there's, there's some momentum growing that he is not going to be a Cleveland Brown anymore. So you want to act fast. And these prices are kind of outrageous. If, you're, if I'm on the clock and at, at any point, if like James Cook and Rashad White are gone and I'm sitting there in the second, 205 for Kareem Hunt makes a ton of sense. It's, this is 205 and a 2023 third up top. So 205 and some change. You have a, just an absolute heinous offer on the bottom two thirds for Kareem Hunt. Like I'm telling you, really poke around, see if you can get away with like a late second, maybe two thirds, really see what you can kind of get away with for Kareem Hunt, especially if he's on a rebuilding team. Cause some rebuilders just have like random players. So definitely ch take a look. If you are, you know, you, you built a team that's kind of hero RB ish, zero RB ish, and you kind of need a home run swing at running back. He is the perfect guy to go after. Now we're going to change gears here. I don't know why I can't talk today, but we're going to change gears today or we're going to change gears here and talk about a rebuilding by Devonta Smith. And he's going at the 6'11 as the wide receiver 25 in Dynasty ADP. On my rankings, he's my 4'10 as the wide receiver 18. And I thought that Devonta Smith was a really good guy for me to come out here and talk about because he does have that buzz with AJ Brown. But he was a guy that I faded really hard in rookie drafts. I faded him really hard. I did not like that he was a non-early declare, undersized, he didn't break out early, he just had a lot of dings in the traditional analytical mind type sense with Devonta Smith, and I want to be the first one to say that when I was too harsh on him as a rookie, and he is one of these guys like a T. Higgins last year, like a Brandon Ayuk last year, I know that that's, that's not great company with Ayuk in there, but one of these guys where they showed me enough in year one that I am pivoting completely off of what I thought about them pre-draft, I, I cannot stress enough, what you do in year one in the NFL is the most, has the most signal across like anything you can look at. So I'm not saying that I'm dumping out what he did in college for what he did in year one, but you have to look at what he did in year one and really take that into account. Now, the other crazy part is, is in the new wide receiver model I have, I'm, I'm not sure how many guys have checked it out, but I put out a video where I have a new wide receiver model. And I, that was pretty much what I did for like a month or two in the offseason when I wasn't posting videos, I sat down and created quarterback, running back, wide receiver model. And I went into it with a completely open mind. I didn't have players that I wanted to get in the upper tier or anything like that. And he went from a guy that was probably like my wide receiver six uh, in last year's class to grading out as a top three wide receiver in my model. And even though he, he was late to Claire and, you know, he didn't have like a really good breakout age. Breakout age isn't even in my model. I think that it's kind of an overrated stat if I'm being honest with you. But I really didn't take into account how crazy that senior year was. And I didn't take into account how good he looked on tape. I use Lance Zierlein's uh, film grades in my model. He is one of four players to ever get a seven or better Lance Zierlein grade, which is like his like generational type grade. It is. Sammy Watkins, Amari Cooper, Jamar Chase, and Devonta Smith. Those are the only four since like 2013 to get a seven or better grade. It's elite company. That helped him push him up into elite. Him going top 10 pushed him up into elite. I would say that looking at looking back at it, he is about a similar tier prospect as a guy like Garrett Wilson. Whereas if you asked me last year, I would have said that he was a similar tier prospect as a Chris Olave to me. Uh, he graded out as an elite wide receiver, top three guy in his class. Elite wide receivers hit top 24 seasons at an 85% clip, which is really, really solid. Now, when we look at what he did after or in year one, his year two comps are insane or not insane, but they're very strong, right? Uh, his year two comps, the way I do it is I go up and down a prospect here. So you have elite uh, who hit 85% top 24 seasons. You have legendary who hit 100% top 24 seasons. By the way, the three guys that were seven pluses, Jamar Chase, Amari Cooper, 
uh, and Sammy Watkins, all legendary prospects that he was grouped into on a film perspective, which is insane. Then below that, we have Gold, who hit top 24 seasons at a 45% rate. And I also just took his points per game, his PFF receiving grade and target share, pretty much just filtered up and down like about like 20% to get guys who were similar graded prospects and had similar year ones. And you get some really solid comps here. You get, you know, his, you know, ceiling type comps of Des Bryant, Debo Samuel, T Higgins. You get some floor comps like Jarvis Landry and Dwayne Bowe, who are still great in their own right. And you get guys who don't look great in Kenny Britt and Jordan Matthews, but they both hit top 24 seasons which would be a win for Devonta Smith after year one and when you look at his numbers he had a 22 percent target share the the best on this entire list even though having a 15 yard or more average up the target his his average target was 15 yards or more downfield and yet he still commanded a 22 percent target share which is just absolutely insane considering that Jalen Hurts isn't exactly the best like deep thrower of the football now his points per game wasn't great right he had the highest target share but one of the lower points per game it's just because he was in a low target volume offense and he didn't have the efficiency to go along with it and that happens but when we look at him just from a a pretty much from a i'm trying to think of like like a him in a vacuum right just what his skill level was he had the fourth highest rookie receiving grade on this list of really good players higher than des bryant uh, higher than Debo Samuel, higher than even a, you know, Kenny Britt, not higher than Dwayne Bowe, but, you know, a really good PFF receiving grade, which is like a film type grade. He looked good. And the other thing is, is that he looked good, not only by the numbers, but he looked good on film. And it's really important that as a guy where he's a, an elite route runner, and I don't know how to watch route running and tell you, hey, this guy's a sick route runner. I really don't know what that looks like. But Matt Harmon does. And the biggest thing is, is that we want, if he was a route technician in college and the whole idea is that he was this elite separator, really, really good. Did we see that translate to the NFL? And it did. He looked great in reception perception. This came out a couple days ago and he smashed it. 77th percentile versus man as a rookie, 83rd percentile versus zone. And the most important one, 84th percentile against press, which he saw 19% of the time, which is, which is a pretty big chunk. And the biggest knock against him by some film guys were that because he was small and frail, I think he's like sub like 175 pounds that he would struggle against press man. And that was, that was literally his, his best percentile of beating, uh, of beating any type of coverage was against press. So he literally put that to bed. Uh, Matt Harmon had a glowing review about him. He said, it's plain as day that Smith is already a great route runner and high end separator. He gets open at every level and across a variety of coverages. That's a trump card trait in the works. So let's just be clear for a second. I haven't addressed AJ Brown. I haven't addressed the Eagles. I just wanted to be clear. This is a player who was a top 10 draft pick, an elite prospect in my model, even though I'm an analytics guy and he commanded targets at a really high rate in year one. And then he also proved that he, he is an elite separator at the next level and can win against press coverage. Very plain and simple. This is a good player that is on a trajectory to really ascend and be something special in dynasty and plain and simple i want to acquire good players in dynasty especially when you're giving me a discount and this is where the like yeah but uh the eagles kind of thing comes in he has plummeted since draft night right that's april 29th he was wide receiver 17 heading into the draft that red arrow points to pretty much how his value plummeted on draft night i believe that he went down to like wide receiver 25 he's now kind of rebounding to that wide receiver 21 area but 
AJ Brown coming in really floored his ADP. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. After draft night, you know, the last two rankings updates, he went from wide receiver 18 to wide receiver 18. I didn't move him at all. I, I don't know, guys. I, I'm i seeing a lot of people like move him. I, I, I'm looking at the guys behind him. Am I going to move Terry McLaurin ahead of him? Chris Godwin, Hollywood Brown, Mike Evans, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave. I'm personally just good. Give me the guy in year two who was an elite prospect, had a really strong year one. I prefer him over those guys. I, I can't put any of those guys ahead of him. Uh, I also don't think that AJ Brown coming to Philly is a dense sentence by any means. I don't think that it's as much as a, as a, you know, a negative for his profile as some people think. I know that, you know, AJ Brown is a really good wide receiver, but Devonta Smith's one of his biggest problems last year is like we were talking about earlier, he commanded that lo- that large target share, but the fantasy points weren't there because the efficiency wasn't there. The offense wasn't great through the air. You had literally Jalen Rager on the other side. So when you go from Jalen Rager to AJ Brown across the formation, who is one of the most efficient wide receivers of all time on a yards per route run basis, it's going to lift the entire offense up. It's going to take coverage off of Devonta Smith. It's going to make everyone's job much easier. Import- most importantly, Jalen Hurts. He is going to have much more, it's going to be much easier to process a defense when you when your wide receiver two isn't Jalen Rager, when your wide receiver three isn't Quez Watkins or JJ Arcega Whiteside, they're actually going to give him some help. And I know that people think like they're a very run heavy offense, and they were a run heavy offense last year, but I also have a really hard time believing that the Eagles and Howie Roseman and analytics driven front office are going to just commit to the run. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like trading a first round pick and a third round pick for AJ Brown and then not addressing running back at all during the NFL draft and just taking Kennedy Brooks as an undrafted free agent signals to me that they want to run the ball at a high rate. Why? Why? I can't imagine looking at Dallas Goddard, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, and a dynamic quarterback at Jalen Hurts and thinking, you know what? 55% of the time, we should be running the ball with Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, or Kennedy Brooks. I, I just, I, I don't see it uh, on a competent, you know, front office like this. I just don't think that that is a, a smart use of your assets on the offensive side of the football. And we also sort of caught last year, we talked about the front office side of things, but we also caught last year with Sirianni, who comes over in year one, we caught a glimpse of what his true intentions were last year. And I really don't believe that he wanted to come into the year and be that run heavy, right? They led the team in rush attempts per game, but they did not start like that. Through the first six weeks here, Sirianni had the fifth highest passing volume offense in neutral game scripts, right? So when it's not, it's not garbage time, it's not like fourth and long or like second and short in the... In neutral scenarios, he was trying to pass the ball a ton, right? They they then had to adapt the QB game plan just with like QB struggles, injuries. You know, they didn't have like a ton of good wide receivers. There's a chance that they traded for AJ Brown to get back to what they were doing early on in the season and passing the ball more because you know successful teams do that. At the top here, you're looking at the Chiefs, the Bills, the Buccaneers, the Chargers, right? All teams that were very good last year are passing the ball at a high rate. And I think that they're, I think that that's what they're trying to get back to. Now, I'm not saying that that is the expectation, that is the the normal outcome, but I do think that it's not going to be as run heavy as we think. And even if not, this is dynasty. Devonta Smith is in year two. We play the long game. This feels a lot like a T. Higgins, where a good player comes in, the wide receiver gets discounted, even though uh, target shares are very sticky. And I still believe Devonta Smith had a 22% target share last year. I expect this year probably will hover in like the 22 to like 24 percent area which is like really strong for a year two wide receiver cd lamb last year had i believe like a 20 percent flat target share so you give uh devonta smith 22 23 24 with aj brown on the other side making everything more efficient and you give him that that second year jump 
I am very much in on the Devonta Smith discount here. Now, when we talk about trades that you can make for Devonta Smith, these are pretty wild. The first one is just insane that this happened in an actual league. Two 20-23 seconds and a 23-3. If you can get junk like that, sure. If you can get a piece, if you can do a piece in a first like this one, Zach Ertz in a first for Devonta Smith in a second, that's really savvy. Same thing with Michael Gallup. If you can get one of those fringy wide receivers, if you can do like Christian Kirk or Michael Gallup or even like a Jacoby Myers or anybody in that area of Christian Kirk, um, Michael Gallup. I'm trying to think of the guys in that tier, but if you can get one of those guys package a first and get like Devonta Smith in a second or Devonta Smith in a third, that's an in, that's a really good move as well. And then this last one is pretty much Devonta Smith for the 111. Any late first, I'm trying to buy Devonta Smith. I had Devonta Smith over every wide receiver in this draft class besides the big three of Burks, London, Wilson. He is that good. Now, I'm also going to say a bonus buy that I, I wanted to cover today, but I saw uh, Bush over at the Sockish and she already covered Devonta Smith and Elijah Moore, so I didn't want to just give you guys the same video you guys already saw. Elijah Moore is a firm buy. He is my wide receiver 17, Devonta Smith my wide receiver 18 for pretty much the exact same reason. A uh, talented guy in Garrett Wilson comes in. He Elijah Moore was a dog last year. I'm not going to move him a substantial amount backwards because they brought in competition there's no there's no that that needs even more so than aj brown where we don't even know that garrett wilson is any good and if he is it's only going to help the efficiency of the offense and zach wilson should take a step forward and even if he doesn't and they suck they can just go out there and draft a new quarterback that next year now let's flip over to the sell part of the video i'll be honest with you that devonta smith's part was really long and it's 30 minutes in, and I probably could cut it off here, but we're not going to. I'm going to give you guys, not bonus content, but we'll cover my two cells at the end here. And the first one is Antonio Gibson, who is the 411 as the RB13 in Dynasty ADP. My rank, I have him as the 609 as the RB19. And Antonio Gibson is very easily one of my biggest followers post-draft. He fell 10 spots for me from RB9 to RB19. And it wasn't just a Brian Robinson pick, but a, a combination of some things and me doing some research on the back end and just kind of figuring out where to feel about or how to feel about Antonio Gibson. And first, we have Brian Robinson coming in. So we have a day two running back getting drafted by a team that has massive holes. They didn't make the playoffs and they haven't made the playoffs in some time. They go out there and spend their day two draft pick on Brian Robinson which is pretty wild for a team that has Antonio Gibson that has raved about Antonio Gibson that has JD McKissick behind him, Jarrett Patterson, a guy they seem to like. Doesn't make sense. Brian Robinson's not a great prospect. He's not someone I'm super scared of, but it just speaks to how they feel about Antonio Gibson, right? They drafted a day two running back. They also brought McKissick back. And the whole thesis, right? I loved Antonio Gibson last year, but the whole thesis behind it was Gibson played wide receiver in college, but has the size and speed of a like Joe Mixon. So he should be a three down bell cow with that skill set the problem is is that they are now bringing a guy that is going to take away volume between the tackles and brian robinson they bring back jd mckissick that is going to catch the ball in the backfield i just don't see how we have access to that upside anymore i just don't think that it's there and i know that his reception numbers looked decent last year but they were sort of skewed right we had five games without mckissick and that's where a lot of his receiving uh work came in he had three targets per game without jd mckissick he had four point no he had Three targets per game with J.D. McKissick, 4.6 targets per game without him. That's almost a, what, like a 50% increase? Half of three is 1.5 plus three is 4.6. Yeah, or 4.5 plus one plus 0.1. But you guys get what I'm saying. It's a huge increase. And he goes from 14.05 PPR uh, to 16.92 points per game, which doesn't seem like a, a huge difference, but that's like going from pretty much like mid to back end RB2 to back end RB1. And for him to be an RB1, it seems like McKissick needs to be out of the picture which is tough. He's now coming off of two RB2 finishes at this point. 
it almost seems like for him to have access to that game-breaking upside, you need like multiple injuries. And even then, we're not even sure if they would give the keys to Antonio Gibson like that. Now, yes, again, he's a super athlete, but I just don't know that he'll ever have an 80-plus target season like we want from him. Again, two RB2 finishes now, I believe like RB15 and RB16. It's tough, man. It, it's it's really tough. He is now in redraft. I was shocked by this because he used to go in like that RB15 range, almost like a fringe RB1. This is how the market feels about him in $25 sharp leagues on underdog. He is now the RB21, literally right there with like a Josh Jacobs. Now I know ETN's there, but he's going into year two. There's some uncertainty there. Antonio Gibson's a guy in year three, at this point as a running back, in year three, you should be going into your prime as like a dominant force if you're going to be that guy. I think that it's just kind of far too far gone at this point for Antonio Gibson. That it, It's just, you know, he hasn't done it yet. And I think if he hasn't done it at this point, it's not going to happen from like a receiving upside standpoint, which means he's probably just a between the tackles guy. Uh, they brought in Brian Robinson to take some of that like workload off of him. So it's just really tough to kind of see his role being super, super valuable without like injuries. So again, heading into your three, he just looks like a Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, a really expensive RB2. And those are guys I'm just not interested at all in. And when we look at his trades, he's still operating right now as a late fourth, early fifth in Dynasty Leagues, which is crazy. He, you are, he, for how much that Elijah Moore and Devonta Smith has fallen since the NFL draft, Antonio Gibson has remained steady. So if you have him, I would be really tempted to cash out. These, these deals, I love all of them. If you could cash out for a 2023 first, would do that all day. If I could cash out, if I could do Antonio Gibson and a future first for like a Justin Fields or uh, you know, like a Trey Lance, like a future first and like a second for Trey Lance or anything in that area of even like Matthew Stafford. If you want to get like an elite Tish type quarterback, that's a good move. I also love the idea of this one, uh, uh, the third one where it's Brees Hall for Antonio Gibson in a first. If you can do, or it's Brees Hall in a second for Antonio Gibson in a first. If you can get anyone in that area of like Brees Hall, McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Javante Williams, even like Najee Harris. If you can do Antonio Gibson in a first for one of those guys in like a second, all day long um next one is really great like a like i just think that you can use antonio gibson plus a piece to go upgrade something so like tight ends here with mark andrews you can do antonio gibson plus gerald everett for mark andrews now i don't think that's going to happen in a lot of leagues but something maybe like antonio gibson and like maybe not dallas goddard but like antonio gibson and like dalton schultz for mark andrews i think could happen um next one antonio gibson for the 102 pretty easily would make that deal so he's someone who is still trading for his pre-draft price. And it's not that Brian Robinson killed his value, but it was just sort of me looking at his redraft ADP, looking at his outlook for 2022. It's not great. Now we move on from that. We have our last sell here and we have Tua Tugaviola. And he is going in Dynasty ADP as the 501 is a QB 16. By the way, terrible pick in Dynasty drafts. I see people reach on Tua all the time. I'm in an analyst league where he got picked like 405, I, this is a rant that I'm going on here, but the worst thing you can do is pass on quarterback early and not get an elite quarterback and just take like mediocre, dumb picks up top and then start to reach on quarterbacks like a Tua in the fourth round when there's like difference makers on the board. It's just an absolutely insane way to play dynasty. It's it's just wild to me, even with that, that Tua is at like this four or five turn range even though he's done nothing through two years and he is in the in the same range as guys like DJ Moore and Deontay Johnson, he's literally right next to Aaron Rodgers. Those are all guys I have in like several tiers ahead of him. I have him personally on my board, 705 QB 21. And I get that he gets Tyree Kill. I get that he gets Waddle, but this is dynasty. And for quarterbacks, especially going into the third year, as much as like the weapons around them are sick, 
you need him to be good at football, right? We saw Sam Darnold last year have DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I guess like he didn't have McCaffrey for a ton, but it's it's not the best example in the world. But he is he needs to be good, even if like the fantasy points are there or whatever. If he's not good in real life, they're going to dump Tua. Uh, this is the this is the like Sam Darnold Trubisky path that he is going down right now, and they are giving him every weapon in the world, so he has no excuse to fail at all. And if he does, it's over. He is going to be Sam Donald Trubisky. His value essentially goes to almost zero at that point. And I really don't see the bright spots in his game. He was not good last year. Among 33 qualified quarterbacks in PFF, he was 29th in big-time throw rate and first in turnover-worthy play percentage. Again, you guys know I love these stats. Big-time throw rate is just, you know, like big-time throws into tight windows, down the field, you know, just throws that are like, man, like that was a really, really good throw. Turnover-worthy plays are like plays where he could have fumbled, uh, should have been an intercepted pass, was an intercepted pass, all of that kind of stuff. Again, among those 33 quarterbacks, first in turnover-worthy play percentage in his second year where he's supposed to take some kind of step forward, 29th in big-time throw rate. And just for comparison, a guy who everyone loves to shit on as like the worst rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson had 10 big-time throws to 18 turnover-worthy plays. That's not good. But Tua had 10 big-time throws to 2020 or. 10 big-time throws to 22 turnover-worthy plays. He had as many big-time throws as Zach Wilson and four more turnover-worthy plays than Zach Wilson. And he is in his second year, who's supposed to like take a step forward, where Zach Wilson's like a rookie, okay, he has a longer leash, whatever. Tua was supposed to like take a step forward at this point, and he was not great at all. And he also, his skill set is a pretty pretty rough match with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, who are both down the field like burners. And I know they operate around the line of scrimmage, but... In terms of like in real life of like game breaking ability, those are two guys that thrive down the field. And we're seeing videos coming out of camp. And I know that these are just videos coming out of camp, whatever, but and, and like the interns are doing him dirty, but he's under throwing them all the time. He was also last year 30th and averaged up the target. Like the throwing downfield in the NFL for him hasn't been a strength of his. If you want to point to adjusted yards per attempt, that looked decent. He was 23rd there, but he was sandwiched in between Taylor Heineke, Davis Mills, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff. Again, he wasn't great. And the biggest issue here is that it would at least be redeemable in Dynasty or just in fantasy football, not even real-life football. It would be redeemable if he ran the football. And I think something that's very understated about Tua is that he's seen as kind of like a, a mobile-ish type quarterback, especially coming out of school. But in school, in my uh, RS grades, he is designated as a statue quarterback. He didn't rush the ball in college. He didn't rush the ball in the NFL. When we look here, what is what is this? This is it. His rushing yards per game is 9.8 rushing yards per game. 26 in the NFL. He adds nothing on the ground. And when you're 26 in rushing yards per game in the NFL and you're not adding anything on the ground, you need to be a hyper-efficient quarterback in the pocket like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Tom Brady to ever give you like a quarterback one season. And when we talk about what he did uh, in terms of PFF, his big-time throws, his turnover-worthy plays, his adjusted yards per attempt, he hasn't shown that efficiency. He hasn't shown glimpses of that efficiency. So I think it is a wild bet to make in the fourth round of dynasty startup drafts to have him you know as this guy who you're almost like you're almost betting on to make that leap and i think it's a i think it's an awful bet and i also think in my rankings you'll see i think people would get mad at this but i, I have kirk cousins and tom brady straight up over to a tug of viola I, I just want difference makers at quarterback tom brady is going to have a top 12 season kirk cousins might have a top 12 season it, it wouldn't shock me at all if Tua never outscores kirk cousins for a, during a single career uh, or during a single year of his entire career it really wouldn't. I'm also just not super interested in like expensive statue type quarterbacks until they can show us that they're uber efficient like a Kirk Cousins or a Tom Brady. Because again, I have three quarterback designations, Konami code, mobile, statue. 
Konami Code are the guys that like really run like a Lamar Jackson. Mobile are guys that can move a little bit like an Andrew Luck and Statue are just guys like Goff, uh, Tua, all of those kind of guys. Like a Matt Stafford is, is probably like, the best statue out there right now. And of the top 12 quarterbacks in Dynasty, in my rankings, I believe also in ADP, but I'm not sure. All of them are at least mobile and all of them, all of them are Konami Code or mobile in terms of their rushing designations. Give me rushing quarterbacks all day. I want rushing QBs. They, they have all the upside in the world in terms of market value and just fantasy points. For that reason, Tua Tagovailoa, I'm just not interested at his price. Now, if we want to look at what you can have to trade Tua for, there's some pretty wild like trades you can make. There's a lot. Dude, there are a lot of guys who love Tua, man. There are. There's a guy on Twitter. His name's like Dynasty Jacobian uh, Tagovailoa or something. Like he is literally like a fan account for Tua. There are guys who really ride with Tua, especially the Miami fans. If you have any of them in your league and you have Tua reach out to them these are pretty wild i would take any 2023 first for tua you can do tua and a shitty wide receiver in russell gage and then 112 for deshaun i don't think that's going to happen in a lot of leagues but you can make that maybe like tua michael gallup and like the 108 and maybe that goes through this one is tua and two first from a home you can do tua and two first for uh like a lamar a kyler or deshaun something in that area tua and a first for trey lance mess around if you have tua and there's teams out there with elite quarterbacks, I would go to like every single team that has a Trey Lance, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Kyler, Lamar. If you want to go out there and get an elite quarterback and maybe you have some first to spend, you can package Tua and like one or two first and probably make that happen. Now, that's going to do it for us today. As always, fellas, if you want access to my complete rankings, I have my buy and sell designations for over 200 players, literally all the way down the, the, the freaking ADP list. That is going to be on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. You'll have my rookie rankings, uh, my rookie top 50, my top 250 Dynasty Superflex tight end premium rankings, my positional rankings that have like the buy, sell designations, all that good stuff, my prospect stuff with the RS grades, all of that good stuff and more. I'm telling you, I, I really do pour my heart into the back end for those of you guys that help, you know, keep the lights on in the basement. So with that being said, as always, I love you guys. It's dragged on a little bit more than I would like to. Let me know. 42 minutes might be a little bit too long for a video like this, but wanted to pour my heart out over Devonta Smith, a guy who I never thought I would be pouring my heart out over if you told me that like a, a year ago. So with that being said, I love you guys. And as always, if you enjoyed the video, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my bag of on. Rapper, song, singer, suspended subpoena from misdemeanor.